When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Press Row. Behind-the-scenes stories from the world of sports media. Press Row. Insight and interviews from around the sports world. Now, here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Welcome back. Another episode in Press Row. Jonah Siegel here. Lots, uh, lots going on in the world these days. Middle of summer. Canada's had Canada's Day. The U.S. has had Fourth of July. NBA playoffs are in the finals. Major League Baseball All-Star Game lineups are coming up. And uh, today's guest is really cool. She was just named one of the play-by-play announcers for the upcoming season of hockey with ESPN, which should be incredible. I think you'll really enjoy hearing her story. Great lessons on life and perseverance and what to do when you think things are, are really working against you. And uh, just a great guest. Today's episode is, is, is special and I think uh, and hope everyone will really enjoy it. First message from my friends at Bet Online. As I said, lots of things going on in the sporting world today. Lots of places to bet. Lots of sports news you need. Bet Online has you covered for both news, information, and the ability to place a wager. Go to the website today. Or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Hi guys, this is Jay Ashburn from Seattle Shirt Company. I know you're thinking, if I'm not in Seattle, why do I need a shirt from seattleshirt.com? The answer is because we carry much more than just Seattle shirts. Check us out for everything from NBA and NFL, throwback jerseys, sweatshirts, hats, t-shirts, you name it. Right now we're offering free shipping on all orders over $9.97 and over $30 to Canada. Check us out now at seattleshirt.com and enter the code PRESSROW, that's P-R-E-S-S-R-O-W, at checkout for an extra 15% discount on your entire order. Once again, that's seattleshirt.com. Now back to more of the Press Row. Here again is your host, Jonas Siegel. It is a Monday post-Canada Day. It is July 5th, which in the States is July 4th. I hope I haven't completely confused you yet on what day it is. And yes, my my producer, Mike, gets very mad at me for giving the date. I think it's important to get grounded. And my guest today is going to make very bold predictions about hockey games and upcoming seasons. We want to be able to hold her feet to the fire with her bold predictions. Uh, we are thrilled to have the first one of the first announced play-by-play voices for the new broadcast on ESPN coming the NHL this coming fall she is in Winnipeg Manitoba she is Leah Hextall Leah how are you I'm great Jonah how are you doing on it's July 5th right just to really dig into your producer we'll all say the date one more time it is July 5th um 
but because July 4th was celebrated, landed on a Sunday, we're actually honoring it today on the 5th. So it's a holiday south of the border and uh, very happy to see you and happy to speak to you. We, we've talked a few times on, on Twitter, but we've never done a podcast. So, so really glad to have you. First and foremost, how are you? How's your family? Everybody doing well in whatever stage of pandemic everyone in your life is in? Everyone's doing really well. And we're very fortunate. Everyone in my family is double vaccinated now. It took us here in Manitoba a little bit longer. We got hit really hard with the third wave. So we are just starting to get out of a shutdown, a complete shutdown, which was our third one throughout the pandemic. We were one of those rare breeds where at the beginning of the pandemic, we had seven cases for like months. And then suddenly we got hit like everyone else did. And then that third wave, we just didn't get those vaccinations out quite quick enough, but done it now. And we're close to having herd immunity. And I think we're going to continually keep opening up here. And I can't wait to be sitting on a patio with all my friends drinking a beer like we do here in Manitoba summers and not having to think about COVID anymore. Well, the good news having been there last summer for a couple of days is that this time of year, it stays light till 10, 11 o'clock at night. So the patios will be able to make back a little bit of the money they've lost during the shutdown. Let's hope so. And I will help them do it when that time comes. <laughs> so you, you have an awesome background, very inspiring. You started in the hotbed that is Flin Flon, and then you moved to Brandon at a young age. Is that correct? Well, I actually was born in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, and um, and I think it, I get I confuse people a lot because I was born in Portage, lived there till I was four, moved up north to Flin Flon, Manitoba, which is just a gorgeous place to grow up. Did a lot of camping, fishing, a lot of outdoor activities up north. That's how I grew up. And then my parents moved us down to Brandon when my sister and I were eleven and thirteen, respectively, because our sports, we were starting to make provincial teams and whatnot. And it was just such a long trek to come down to Winnipeg, where is the center of the universe in Manitoba, where everything goes place. So we moved to Brandon and I moved to Brandon at 11. And it's just, to me, that's home. That's where I'm from. Um, you know, it's where my folks still are. It's where my sister still is. It's where so many of my incredible high school friends are that I've known for 20 plus years. So I consider myself a Brandonite at the end of the day. And they still have the greatest name in any sport and, you know, the Wheat Kings. That old, I was crushed when I was there last summer to see that they no longer have the amazing logo of the 70s and 80s that they used to have. But um, so you, you went to school, you graduated, and then you did pretty quickly get into journalism covering sports there in Brandon. I did. I was one of those people who, like so many, you know, I find it crazy that we expect people at 17 years of age as they're graduating, maybe 18, to know what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. And I was told by everyone I should become a lawyer. And so I went into university thinking that's what I would do. And I hated every second of my first year of university. And it showed in my grades. And it really did. Um, I think actually I was on academic probation after my first year. And it had nothing to do with me partying too much, although I did do a little bit of that too but it was just because I truly did not want to go to class because nothing spoke to me so after that I decided hey I was paying for my own school so I was like this is coming out of my pocket I'm gonna work and so I moved out of my parents house moved to Winnipeg to live with my sister who was going to school and I started just to serve tables and you know it became very clear very quickly something that my parents had taught me was do something you love 
because you know if you don't love it it's always going to feel like a job so basically do something you would do for free and that became apparent very quickly to me that serving tables and doing that type of work was not for me for the rest of my life and I needed to get it together and that's where I married my two loves I grew up playing sports I come from an athletic family I loved athletics my entire life it's such a big part of who I am and then the other side of it is that I've always been involved in the arts I'm you know, classically trained in piano. I sing, I do plays, I love drama. Public speaking, I was one of those kids who entered public speaking competitions. Nobody does that at, you know, 12 years of age, but I loved it. So I put them together and I really felt I needed to get out of Manitoba to grow a bit. So I went to a school out in Vancouver, took a year of broadcast. And I was one of those lucky people that, you know, banged on the door of CKX and Brandon a couple times while I was going to school. They remembered me, had an opening, called me up, interviewed, got the job at 23. And that was such a gift because I was in a small station where you just did it all. And covering those Brown and Wheat Kings was my very first beat. So you do that, do that for a couple of years, and then you do end up in the big city. You ended up in Winnipeg. Is that correct? I did. I was in Brandon for two and a half years and it was, you know, timing, as they say, is always everything. And during the lockout, I believe it was 04, uh, 0405 that year was the lockout and so junior hockey was really thriving in Canada because we had no NHL to talk about and the Brandon Wheat Kings actually went right to the final for you know the Western Hockey League so suddenly there were all these media outlets there and the person who was sitting beside me happened to be from CTV Winnipeg and informed me that they were looking for someone and also you know kind of elevated me to their program director there. And I ended up getting an interview in 2005 in June, moved my way up to CTV in Winnipeg and was there for seven years. Um, you know, and in that time covered the American Hockey League, the Manitoba Moose, who were the affiliate for the Vancouver Canucks. And then in my very final year in Winnipeg, we received the Jets back here in Winnipeg. And that was just a huge, huge moment. I'm so thrilled that I got to cover that story because it, it I've never, I didn't grow up a Jets fan because my cousin was playing for the Philadelphia Flyers. And we but, may have heard of him once or twice yeah, before. Ron Hextall, yes, my, my cousin Ron was playing for Philly. So that's who I cheered for. I wasn't a Jets fan. Whenever I came to Jets games, they were usually to watch him and I was in my Flyers gear. But I know how much this team and losing that team, how much it affected this province in so many ways. It was like the heartbeat went out of it. We just flatlined. And the day in which I sat at that press conference and saw Gary Bettman come in with Mark Chipman and that they and, and Mr. Thompson and they announced that the team was returning you almost wanted to cry because you knew how much it meant. So I had a, a year of um, covering the Jets. And the next thing you know, I got a really big, big break in 2012. And I went to Boston to work for Nesson. And, and that just kind of, you know, when you're in Boston covering sports and, you know, the Bruins went to the Stanley Cup, you're covering Tom Brady and the Patriots. And most importantly, I covered a World Series as the Red Sox won. And, you know, when you have that type of experience, it, it takes you to another level in the industry where people who kind of thought they knew who you were in Winnipeg now look at you in a different way because you're handling such major sports teams and stories in a major market in the United States. Okay, so winning follows you. So, you know, you, you go to Brandon right. and they win, Arizona, yeah. mm -hmm. they win a championship. You make your way to Nesson, move on. I believe it was move on when, you know, uh, no, not move on. It was uh, big, big uh, poppy. They won the World Series that year. And you were there right after the unfortunate yeah. mar marathon bombing. They're during it for a Canadian. It was, um, 
it was incredibly crazy. And, and when I had, when I first got there too, the shooting in Sandy Hook happened. And so, you know, you know, not to say that things don't happen in Canada, but you know, it's a very different culture up here. And there were moments where I was somewhat like, where am I? You're you certainly know, not in Flin Flon anymore. Exactly. Right. You know, I'm not sitting here looking outside at pine trees, um, you know, in the isolated north. But uh, but, you know, again, that plays into the experience and seeing how, you know, Boston rallied after that. And that really was such a huge part of the Red Sox run, you know, the bearded brothers and they all grew the beards. And I did. I remember doing a story on it and just the way it brought that community together after such tragedy then to you know, have that win. It, it truly was important. And I was actually covering the rolling rally for the parade and um, Big Poppy got out and right at the marathon line. And that's where I was stationed. And, you know, he got out and had a moment there with the team. And it really was quite special. It was so special that I do believe that you have a World Series ring to your name. I do. I do. You know, I have to say it's, it's probably one of the greatest keepsakes of my career. And Nesson was so kind. And, you know, Nesson, as some may know, some may not, the network is actually owned by the Red Sox majority owners and then also by the Boston Bruins. And when they won, they gave, you know, those who were covering the team, they, you know, they even sized our fingers up and it's got Hextall written on it and it's got all the, the year and everything that happened. And it's such a beautiful gift and a beautiful little box. And, you know, I'll never wear it because it's about as big as my hand. And, you know, it doesn't quite have the bling that the players do, obviously. They, they actually earned it, unlike myself. But what a gift it was by Nesson to, you know, to have. And uh, it was, you know, I, I received my ring actually just about a month before I left to come back home to Canada to start working for Sportsnet. So, so I'm going to disagree with you and tell you that you <laughs> earned it. You didn't earn it okay. on the field playing, but you absolutely earned it. And good on you for having it. And I hope that you're able to pass it on, enjoy it in your life and pass it on. As I understand, your dad passed on his ring to you. Is that correct? Yes, my, my dad, unfortunately, Randy, uh, he passed away in the summer of 2019. Actually, um, July 12th will be his two years since we lost him. And he was the baby of five. And his father, Brian Hextall, is a Hall of Famer for the New York Rangers. He um, won a Stanley Cup in 1940 and led the NHL in scoring and was quite a player in his day. And so my dad, when he lost his father, was you know, received his Hall of Fame ring. And when I lost my dad, he left it to me. And I wanted to take it out of the box. Unlike the World Series ring, that ring means a lot. It's beautiful. It's not nearly what the rings are that the players have today. It's more of a signature ring. But I got it sized by a jeweler here who was very good about it. And I did a beautiful job. And every game I call, and the first time I wore it actually was my first NHL game with Sportsnet back on March 8th of 2020. And it was the first time I got to wear it and it connects three generations of hex dolls. And it's uh, one of my most prized possessions. So, I, I, you know, what you've left out unintentionally is that along this journey, you're not a broadcaster, you're, you're a journalist. Uh, if that's the right distinction, I, I think it is. You're certainly not doing play by play. And if it's not for things going array and, and you coming back to Canon, you going to Sportsnet and doom and gloom hitting the industry. I'm certain an oh shit moment. What have I done? Uh, you wouldn't be here. We're talking about being on ESPN. You, you were a journalist. You were not the play-by-play -play girl or no, gal I, or woman person. Yeah. I, you know, I'll take all of those, all of the above. Um, you know, no, the majority of my career, I was a studio host or I was a reporter. 
uh, you know, field side, rink side reporter. That's what I did my entire career up into the 15th year when I was working for Sportsnet Hockey Night Canada at, in a host role and doing some rink side and the bottom fell out. You know, you, you achieve. And, you know, when I walked through the doors at CKX and Brandon, the dream was to work for Hockey Night in Canada. And here I was finally getting that ability. And as you mentioned, the industry took a turn. And, you know, they had paid massive money. I believe it was $5.2 billion for the rights for 12 years. And they had to do layoffs. And that's part of it. And it sucks. And I remember receiving that phone call. And you just, you know, you hit the floor because you think, what am I going to do now? But, you know, you pick yourself back up and then it gets even worse when you're sitting there going, well, listen, I have an agent. I have a really long resume. I've, I've done all of these things in my career and done it the right way. You know, no one gave me anything. I, I came from a small place, you know, small market, middle-sized market, major market, worked in the States, worked in Canada, covered every league there is in the major four and college sports. So this should be okay. And then it's not, and you can't get hired. And I had to audition and I, you know, was up for jobs. Vegas was coming to the league. I was close there for a job and, you know, didn't get it. And everything just wasn't working out. And suddenly the season started and I didn't have a job in the industry. And at that time I was living with my mom in Brandon, Manitoba, 37 years of age on unemployment. That's where my life was. And I remember Jonah, I had a moment where I just hit the floor and started to cry. And that's very unlike me. I don't have pity parties and I just couldn't get up. I just wasn't strong enough anymore to handle it because it, it, you really, you know, what you do when you are a broadcaster and it's our own ego, but it becomes so much a part of you. I'm Leah Hextall, the sports broadcaster. That's how people have known me for the last, you know, 17 years of my life at that point. And now I just failed. You know, that's how you feel. I just felt like a failure. And so I pivoted and I had to go get a real job. You know, I'm, I'm living in Manitoba, started utilizing my network and I ended up working for the premier of Manitoba and got into politics. I know nothing about politics, <laughs> nothing. But somehow my communications background and all those little special skills that you get from being a broadcaster, they're transferable. The next thing you know, I'm a director of a department. They've created a department around my ideas. I'm working for him. I'm running his campaign when he runs along with a couple other people in the inner circle. And I'm actually having a lot of success in this new world and enjoying it as well. Like really, you know, using muscles I've never used before, but at the same time, I don't love it. It's not my passion. My passion is broadcast. And when I got that job and solidified, okay, you know, you can afford to live now, you have a paycheck. That's when I really did some searching and I thought, what am I gonna do? And the fact is, Joan, is that our industry had changed. You know, I had to look at my age. I had to look at my pay scale. I had to look at my experience. I was being phased out or I felt like I was in those roles that I had traditionally held. I'm also at that point in my late thirties, knowing that we don't see a lot of 50 plus women on camera. And that's just the reality of it. Whether we like it or not, that's the reality. So I got strategic about it as well. And I thought, how can I make sure that I'm no longer a dime a dozen as a host and reporter? Because there's, you know, so many people who are so excellent in that realm. How do I make myself stand out? And I put one and one together to make two and I came up with play by play. I'd always wanted to try it, never had the time to work on it. Now I did. And that's how it began. So how does a director in a political office 
try it. You go to the local kids rink and say, I'm, let me sit up in the box with the microphone. Like, what do you do? Well, Jonah, you pick up the phone and you call Doc Emmerich, first of all. And, uh, you know, I hate to, you know, name drop like that, but that's what I did. I, I said, you know what, I, there's no playbook for this. There was nobody I could kind of, that I trusted really that I, cause I was also scared to say it out loud that I was going to attempt this. Cause what if I couldn't do it? What if it, you know, it's such a hard skill. And I see, you know, there's so much humility when I say, oh, I decided to try play by play, but I reached out to Keith Jones, who I had a relationship with when I was in Boston, because I wasn't watching Hockey Night in Canada anymore. I really fell in love with Doc's call. And I thought, you know, would he be willing to talk to me? And Keith said, let me ask. And, you know, of course, I was on the phone with him like the next day. And he was the one who told me when he first started, he'd just go to any rink, junior games, and just start calling. Just start calling and just start trying it. So when Doc talks, you listen. And I have a relationship here because I worked so many years in Manitoba in the broadcast industry with the Jets and the Manitoba Moose and Moose Games, the press box isn't full. So I asked them if they would open a booth up for me. And I started on my weekends, whenever the Manitoba Moose played, I would go to their games and record myself on my phone. And that's how it started. And then, you know, even though I was horrible, uh, you know, I loved it. And I just decided, you know what, it's time for a woman's voice to call the women's game. And I knew that Sportsnet had a small Canadian women's hockey league package. And I felt like that would be a safe space to try, but were they going to be open to it? Well, the same gentleman who called to lay me off, Rob Porte, I picked up the phone and called him because when I say that it was a layoff because of finances, I'm not lying. I, my relationship with Sportsnet was prime. And he was so open to it, as was Scott Moore at the time, who was senior to him, and they gave me a, a little audition at a Brown and Wheat Kings game that I had like two days to prepare for. So I barely knew the names and numbers. I was, again, not good. They got me a color person even to help me out. And they said, she's got something. And they opened the door of opportunity. And then from there, it was up to me to really work at it and start. And that's how it started calling the women's led to ESPN giving me an opportunity at the NCAA tournament, the first woman to call that. That was such a beast because you're learning you know, four teams in four days and you're calling back-to-back -back games, all these new experiences for me. And, you know, and I just kind of kept trucking along and called the women's package again. And unfortunately the league folded and then I got trouble to find games. So again, reached out to the Manitoba Junior Hockey League who I have a relationship with here and just said to them, you know, do you guys have some games I could call? And so I'd work during the day and at night I'd come home and study two teams. And on a Saturday night, I'd drive to Steinbeck, Manitoba and Dave Anthony, who's their usual play-by-play -play guy would step aside so wonderful of him to be my color person so that I could call online. And this is what I did. And that's the only reason I am going to be working for ESPN in the fall is because of all these incredible support systems that I had around me. And and, you know, as I say that to you, I'm thinking there's no, no wonder I'm single because I was literally working all day and then my meetings were taken up and then going to small towns on the weekend to call hockey games. But my goodness, I loved it. And I love to see the progression and, you know, it's kind of worked out now. Well, I'm going to disagree with you again, because clearly, listen, a network is fantastic, but a network can only open a door. And it sounds like you were putting some pretty serious kilometers on your cars and I think one thing that everyone would agree is that you're not lazy. So you weren't looking for things to come to you. you. You decided what you wanted and you went after it. And, you know, I think as we talked about, lots of people tell kids, you can be whatever you want. And I think realistically, it's just not true. You know, there's certain things 
you're just not, you don't have the genes, you don't have the DNA for what have you, that's okay. But you certainly grabbed something and, and persevered through it. Yada, 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 you're now one of the voices of ESPN hockey. Um, well, you're right. And I think, um, you know, I think that's something that I've been kind of making sure is very clear when I've been speaking to people, because a lot of people have spoke about, oh, well, wasn't it so hard being a woman to, you know, get this opportunity? And, you know, there's no one standing in front of the booth at the door of the play-by-play -play booth and saying no women allowed. And I, I go back to your point there. I had to make a choice that this is what I wanted to do. And then I had to execute and I had to persevere and I had to pursue it. And in that pursuit, there's adversity. And I had to overcome it. I had to decide how much do you want it? And trust me, there were times I wanted to quit. This year during COVID, when I didn't have a single game on my schedule for over a year, I was like, this might be done. You know, I do the NHL game, I've got stamina and, you know, momentum building. And then suddenly the world collapses two days later after I called that NHL game. And I kept thinking, you know, what's going to happen? But then I get the NCAA tournament again with ESPN and I end up calling UND and UMD at the Fargo Regional. And it's a five overtime thriller, the longest game in NCAA tournament history. And it created such a buzz, which I'm still, I, I can't believe the support that I received from the general public, but I stood in there for eight, you know, periods, six and a half hours of hockey. And before that, Jonah, you know, even in myself internally, when people would ask me what you do, I would never say I'm a play-by-play. -play. I would say I'm a sports broadcaster because I don't think I believed it, you know, but after that experience, what that did for me mentally is huge because I thought if I can call a game for five overtimes that has that much meaning to it, I'm a play-by-play. And it was also what sealed, in my opinion, the deal to ESPN too, that she can do this. And they took a swing at me and, you know, listen, not, not everybody's willing to take a swing. So I'm pretty thrilled that they were willing to do it. And, and now I know that as much work as I've put in, it's really just starting. And I'm okay with that because I can't wait to keep working, get consistent repetition and see where I can go. Cause I only feel I'm at like 50% of my ability in the play-by-play -play role. And there's a lot of room to grow. Well, you know what, I, I tell people all the time that everything happens for a reason. And that is true, even at those dark moments, when, when you're crying on the floor, wondering where the next paycheck is going to come pay for the next meal. Uh, this was always around the corner. And, and if it wasn't for getting laid off at Sportsnet, and if it wasn't for having to get into politics, and if it wasn't for figuring out that wasn't for you, you wouldn't end up where you are today and that, that that's fantastic and, and i think the other piece of that jonah too and especially for for women and this is something i talk about when i when i speak is that i also asked for these opportunities i didn't sit back and i think for so much of my career and i can only speak from my experience but we know from the data even when women apply for a job they feel that they have to check every box in order just to apply where a man will have 50 percent, and he thinks yeah i can do that and he has the confidence to you know it's the way in which we're raised in you know a societal way and you know it's do a good job get the gold star you'll be noticed and things will happen for you but that's not the way it works you know, I had to ask Sportsnet for the opportunity. They would have had no idea that I wanted to do play-by-play. -play. The worst they could say was no. And then I move on and I try to find somewhere else that's going to let me do it. And I would have. I would have. I know I would have. Yes. But I'm fortunate that they, they did. And then from there, saying to my employer, 
to the premier of Manitoba, I'll come work for you, but you got to sign off that I can still do this. I'll use my vacation time, which I did. Whenever I went to call games, I was using vacation days. Like that was my vacation was going to call games. But, you know, asking them saying, this is how it's going to work for me to achieve what I need to do. And I think that's something that especially women need to take away that you need to ask for your opportunity because that's the only way you're going to find your yes. And, you know, in those opportunities, other opportunities come from them and then you continue to build. And then something like Mark Rose from ESPN calls you up and says, Leo, we're going to make you an offer and it's going to be played by play for the NHL. And, you know, you almost lose your mind, but you try to keep it on the phone. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really great. But really inside you're exploding. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. So one quick question. Hmm. Your cousin, I guess it is, has a reputation of being, you know, his days playing for Philly were, were let's say, interesting. Um, what's he like? You know, now he's a general manager again in, in Pittsburgh. Was he like that as you grew up? You know, you're similar age. He's older than you, but was he like that growing up? Well, first of all, he's a lot older than me. Just okay. like, let's be clear, he's you know, really old. Um, you know, just, to just, in case, just in case he's listening. Yeah, you know, I was Ron's flower girl, actually, when he got married. And, uh, you know, he's always teased me my whole life. Um, but that's to be expected. But, you know, it's interesting because I know how fiery Ron was. But that's really a, a quality of our family. We are extremely competitive people. Even I have a switch where I get to a certain point and I see red. And I call it redlining. Um, you know, it's just the way we are. And especially when we play sports, we're ultra competitive. But Ron off the ice is one of the most level-headed people you'll ever meet. I mean, it's what makes him such a good GM is that he's not reactive, which you would never think because of the way he reacted on the ice, right? So it's really Jekyll and Hyde with him, but he's, he's very calm demeanor. He's, you know, almost soft-spoken when you talk to him. He's got a dry sense of humor. Uh, so it really, I think, surprises people when they actually meet him like, wow, um, he's, he's calm. So, you know, and, and that's what makes him successful in the role that he's in now. And, and uh, I'm, I'm truly hoping I get to call a game in Pittsburgh so I get a chance to see him. Who I, I'm not going to let you say Doc because you've already talked about him, but when you call games, who's the inspiration, if anybody? I don't think I have one, Jonah. And that's the interesting thing. You know, it's, I'm still really trying to find my call and my voice. You know, all my goal calls are different. I don't think I'm ever going to have some standard call or standard saying because that's, you know, you see things in people which you love in the way they do things. Like I've really been watching Chris Cuthbert right now with Sportsnet, uh, you know, here in Canada. And he's, you know, he's calling his first Stanley Cup final with everything he's done in his resume. It's his first Stanley Cup and how special is that? And, and he's so good and he calls so many different sports. And what I do is I watch, you know, whether it's John Forslund or Chris Cuthbert or, you know, you know, I remember Bob Cole, you know, and, I watch how they set up a game. You know, how do they begin it? And I write down different things that I like. I hear things that different play-by-play say. You know, I'm a big Brandon Burke fan. I think he's just such one of these incredible voices that is going to continue to excel. Um, and I see words and phrases they use, and I write them down in a notebook of language because that's the hardest part for me in play-by-play -play is really getting the verbiage because hockey's the same game. 
Like it's the same place over and over and over again. And you have to find a way so that you don't keep saying, you know, to the line, you know, fires it in, shoots it in, floats it in. You know, you're wanting to think of all these different ways. So that's how I watch games right now is I, I kind of watch to hear phrases and sayings and different things. And, you know, Chris Cuthbert, taught me this playoff. This is what I learned is that, you know, when they had the hit on John Tavares in the first round, he was calling it against Montreal. And, you know, when he was down, all the trainers came out for both teams and he knew every name. And I'm not saying that maybe a producer isn't helping him out because they, they are our lifeline. But what I learned from that and I wrote down is know the trainers know what they look like, know their names. So I'm never going to do a game again where I don't know every single trainer that I don't know who their doctor is because you don't know if that's going to happen and you don't know. And he was prepared. And so to me, those are the type of things I look for right now when I'm watching play by play is, you know, how can I utilize what they do so well to make myself better going forward? Well, I'll, I'll jump in as a critic. The one thing that I think he did really well that game, especially on that hit, is he didn't over talk and he let the picture tell a story. Uh, and, and they did that really, really well. And I know they took a lot of heat for re-showing the replay over and over and over again. Um, it, it did bring back memories of, of Joe Theismann all those years ago on Monday night football. Um, but I, I will say that, that just sometimes letting the picture do the story and, and Chris, who's, been on the podcast that night he uh he did it exceptionally well uh, and i and i i wrote about it on twitter and i wrote about it on the podcast on the uh, on the blog but yeah i think listen i think uh you'll find your groove and i'm hoping that you know matt devlin also a good friend of the show he he is not a musically trained singer but he has been known to be caught singing during games especially sweet caroline with, with with big jack so i'm hoping that we're going to hear you singing you know you're prof- oh. you've now told us you're a professionally trained singer so hopefully no no i'm classically trained pianist i am not a professional <laughs> Let, let's be really clear about that you know i you know i i've done some singing but uh, i i don't know if anybody really wants to hear it <laughs> well it's great to see you it's great to talk to you as i said i think the last time we spoke was really um during the let when during the layoffs at Sportsnet, it's awesome that you've bounced back. Uh, I hope that uh, you get to do a Kraken game. I hope we get to see you up in Seattle. I'm sure the worldwide leader will be doing a game there at some point, and we'll find a patio in Seattle and we can meet face to face. But uh, really hope you enjoy the rest of the summer. Uh, bold prediction for tonight: tonight's game is Game Four, Montreal up against it for sure. God has seemed to be a little bit uh, ungodlike between the pipes. So what are you thinking? It's just so hard to see how Tampa has played against them and not think that Tampa can sweep this series. They have just been so dominant, not just defensively, but also that defensive structure. And they just have a goaltender that just steals games if he needs to, like he did in game two. I hate to say it, but I think Tampa might be joining that very elite group that sweeps the Stanley cup final. And do you think it breaks my heart a little bit because I really want it's I'm not a Habs fan, but I'm a Carey Price fan. He wins us gold medals here in Canada. He's a Hall of Famer and he deserves a Stanley Cup. But so many of the greats deserve Stanley Cups and never get them. So I guess that's the, the hard you, part of the game. Do you think there's a small part of us that is rooting for it to end 
just so the off season can start as well? You know, I think sometimes every broadcaster gets to that point, especially in this year where even though there hasn't been as many games, it feels like it's been a really long season. And I think we are excited. I know I specifically am for next season to start, not just because I'm going to be a part of it with ESPN, but because we're going to start in October. We're going to do 82. We're going to get the divisions back to normal. So, you know, not to put an asterisk because this cup is this cup. You win it, you win it. But um you know, I don't think anyone's going to be crying if it ends tonight, um, except for diehard Montreal fans. I know a lot of people who will be crying if it ends tonight. Yes, so do uh, I, including my brother-in-law. <laughs> He'll be sitting there in his sweater tonight, just cheering him on. So I would like them to win for all of their fans, but Tampa's just uh, Tampa's just real good. Yeah, I just think that the condensed off-season is going to be very interesting and very exciting. And Especially with Seattle coming into your point. I mean, you know, we're going to have a lot of movement. Yeah, we're 16 days away from, from yeah. the expansion draft and all that stuff. So, listen, it, it's great to see you again. I hope you enjoy the rest of the summer. And uh, we can't wait to see you on the Worldwide Leader. And congratulations again for everything that you've accomplished. Well, Jonah, thank you for your support. And this has been so much fun. Thank you for having me on the pod. want to thank Leah Hextall for joining us today on the podcast. Hope you have an awesome rest of your week. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. If you want to appear on the pod, send me a note at Jonah at TorontoSportsMedia.com. If you'd like to advertise, send me an email at Jonah at TorontoSportsMedia.com. Don't forget to subscribe and comment and like us wherever it is that you listen to your pods. And until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Press Row Podcast. You can subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. To contact Jonah or to sponsor the show, email Jonah at torontosportsmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.